I did the thing that I said I was going to do. I don't know if you listened to my show with, with yep. uh, Rich Siegel, but uh, I said I had to use a dongle to go from this Onyx Blackjack USB yeah. device to the thing. I, I mean, by the time this show is over, by the time I'm done doing the talk show, it, it it's recursive. By the time I'm done, I'll have about four or five hours of uh, backloaded uh, backstory about the, <laughs> the USB interface to Skype, and that'll be it. That'll be it. It'll be the final show. The final. You'll know it's over when I've got about four hours of backstory. I'll record two hours of it. I'll leave two hours of it unsaid. Just to give people, you know, uh, you know, something to hope for in the future, it, it'll all be about uh, USB interfaces. But I'll tell you what, I, I finally did it. I bought that cable that I was talking about, which is USB B. I don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, USB B, uh, which is the dumbest port ever, right? I mean, who the why? Why does that even exist? But anyway, the printers. <laughs> But anyway, I got USB-B to USB-C, so there's no dongles. You are listening to me, Renee. <laughs> With no dongles. There, there is not a single dongle between my voice and your ears and the ears of uh, our hundreds of listeners. I did the same thing. I was heard you talking about it, and I ordered the USB-B to the USB-C because my I have this fancy high-end USB Pre-2 amp, and it still has a damn <laughs> USB-B port on it. Oh, man. Hey, while we're on it, while we're on the topic, what's what's the name of this thing that uh, – uh, so, so uh, there actually is some news that has broken in – the last few weeks, and it, it's this uh, uh, consortium, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, with the uh, Amazon and Google yeah. and Apple, and uh, they're going to try to... chip, right? Basically, it seems like Apple is spearheading it. It, it. it kind of seems like it's coming from Apple, but... Basically, it sounds like it's an idea to make uh, home-connected devices like Hey Dingus. or hey, uh, uh, hey Google or whatever your your favorite uh, yeah. Dingus's devices. Uh, sort of make it like a USB type thing. Like where, interoperable. Right, where they're interoperable. And I got to tell you, if they pull it off, no one's going to be happier than me. I am. Yeah. We've got a whole bunch. I, 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 You know, this show is, you know, it's supposed to be about technology. It's not supposed to be about my personal life. I'll just tell you, though. I'll just, I'll peel back a layer of the Gruber family life. And my wife loves Christmas trees. Loves them. <laughs> Absolutely loves them. We've got, I don't know. I mean, we've got more Christmas trees than you could believe. <laughs> but what we've got is every single one of them is plugged in to a dingus that goes into the light socket so that we can yeah. say to our uh, Amazon dingus, hey, Amazon dingus, 
turn off the Christmas trees or hey, Amazon dingus, turn on the Christmas trees or like, hey, Amazon dingus, turn off Jonas's Christmas tree. And then it turns off the Christmas tree in Jonas's room. And yes, our son has a Christmas tree in his <laughs> Personalized room. Personalized Christmas tree. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I, 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 I know that there are uh, some light socket things, you know, or yeah. uh, power socket things that, that work with Siri. But it was easy. The easiest thing to do was to just buy the Amazon ones. And and they're from Amazon. They're pretty easy to set up. This is the second year we've had them. They were pretty easy to, and I labeled them. But you know, some of them you know didn't didn't survive the year with the. I I don't know why, but it wasn't that bad to reset them up a year later. It could have been easier, in my opinion, but yeah. But, I started with the HomeKit one, and because it was called Light, when I it just destroyed my entire ability to turn lights on and off, so I had to rename it. <laughs> I ended up making a scene. So before, I would just say, turn off the lights, and it would turn off all the lights. But then when I got this thing, I would say, turn off the lights, and it would just turn off the nightlight on the stupid plug. So I made a scene, and I renamed it to Ho, Ho, Ho for, for Christmas, but then I did the inevitable thing, and now I've renamed it to Now I Have a Machine Gun. <laughs> Which ties into me when my cousin Hans, who uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, you know what, he gets Plug a bad rap. Ass. You know what I mean? He was, you know, yeah, trying to make an, an honest, entrepreneur. Trying to make, yeah, he's an entrepreneur trying to make an honest transaction in Los Angeles. You know, back in the late eighties. But uh, but anyway, uh, it it this chip thing, if they can pull it off. And if Apple can lead the way, and and the, it it's it's interesting to me. I don't know where it's going to go, but the thing that's interesting to me is that Apple's initial. It's like the announcement came, and Apple says, "Hey, and by the way, here's this thing we have on GitHub." And the thing that they have on GitHub is like this whole thing about like device security. Um, I, I give it. I give it at least a 50-50 shot as as yeah. turning into sort of the USB of uh internet connected device assistant directed device protocols. I don't know what to call it. You kind of like if you use Chip. Siri or HomeKit, you kind of have to hope that this works because given Apple's way of making products, their hyper-focused way of making products, they don't even make a router anymore. And every other company not only bought a yeah. router, like Amazon bought Eero and Samsung bought smart things, and Google has the Google the Google Wi-Fi and, system. And they're advertising but they have all it. the products. Right. They have every product. They have their own locks, their own lights, their own they've bought the entire ecosystem. And coincidentally, they don't support HomeKit, even if they previously announced that they would. I isn't that the most interesting uh, to me that is the single most interesting uh derivative of the whole angle is okay so uh, it, where we stand at the end of 2019 is Apple is interested enough in home connected devices that they're yeah. going to get involved in this new industry 
uh, attempted a standard called chip where they can, you know, somebody can make like a wall socket and they can, uh, if this all works out, they'll adhere to the standard and then you could use it with uh, Alexa. You could use it with Google. You could use yeah. it with Siri. You could use it with uh, Samsung's dingus. What, what's the Samsung dingus called? Smart uh, things. He, he, oh, he, yeah, he, nobody he, uses it, does it. Yeah. Hero, or what's his name? I don't know. Whatever his name is. But you could use it with anybody. And, and and you and I could start a company that would have our own thing, and we could adhere to the standard, and all these things could could work with our new product. And that wouldn't that be great? Because Bixby. I had to look it up. Bixby. <laughs> Bilb. I always think of... Well, well, it was a Siri people, right? Like they made it, and then Samsung bought it and renamed it yeah. to, to Bixby. But <laughs> I go back to <laughs> Bill it, Bixby. It always goes back to Bill. I always have like this. Uh, everything goes back to the seventies for me. And the music at the end of the Hulk when he's just lonely and walking <laughs> off into the distance again. <laughs> Why didn't his pants pop off? <laughs> I don't know. He had stretch pants before his time, right? <laughs> but they weren't stretch pants. Nope. <laughs> like if I the legs harder at the if gym. I were afflicted with a, with a with a terrible condition where I had been hit by gamma radiation, <laughs> and if I got upset, I turned into a green monster, <laughs> and and you know tripled in in size because you know I turned into a Hulk. I swear to God, every day, Renee, I wouldn't wear anything but <laughs> I wouldn't wear anything but stretch pants, but yoga pants all the way down. Yeah, but he didn't wear. He he never nope. wore. He he wore regular pants, but the pants never popped off. <laughs> it would have been a very different show, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, the Tarantino version would have been super different. <laughs> because you got to think, if everything gets big, if your you know if your biceps yep. get big and your neck gets big and your thighs get big. You got to figure everything gets, <laughs> but like like all the bodybuilders at the time, he just didn't hit his legs hard at the gym. He, just, he ignored it for pectoral and bicep growth. It's a sad. Story. It would have been a very different show if it, yeah. if, if all the clothes came off. But <laughs> anyway, it's the it's it's the new year. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, this is probably the last show. Well, probably, whereby probably, I mean, absolutely, 100%, uh, <laughs> definitely. This is the last show of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Right here on the talk show, we've been uh, broadcasting since, uh, I don't know how long, but here we go. Last show of the decade. Uh, I might as well take a break right now and thank our first sponsor. Uh, it's, it's it's the holiday season. I feel like, you know, you got you to gotta be a little loose on uh, on the last show of the decade. Here we go. First sponsor, Away. Now, these guys have been in the news recently. Forget about all that nonsense. That's a bunch of nonsense. Away create, creates thoughtful products built for the modern way travelers see the world. They started with the perfect suitcase, and now they offer an entire range of essentials, which will make your travels more seamless. Uh Everybody 
needs a suitcase. You need a carry-on. Everybody, when you travel, you got to have a carry-on. There, they have two sizes of carry-ons. They've got the small carry-on and they've got the large carry-on. The smaller one will fit on like international flights where they have weird overhead bin sizes. You, you can fit that one everywhere. I've got the bigger one because I, I don't travel overseas that much. And if I do, well, okay, I'll put all my bags, you know, under the belly, pick them up afterwards. Uh, but it's a great option to have. And they're really, really great suitcases. They also ship with TSA approved combination locks, keep your belongings safe. And they expand, they have like a little thing right in the midsection. They can expand 1.75 inches, almost two inches, just in case if you need to uh, pack more stuff in your suitcase. Every single suitcase they ship has that. And they have a, a uh, terrific set of wheels. I've had an away suitcase ever since they started sponsoring the show. It must be five, six years at this point. I, if not, it's close. It still seems like brand new. I've taken it on every single trip I have taken since they have started sponsoring the show. And they sent me this suitcase. It still seems like brand new. It is absolutely unbelievable. And their carry-ons have built-in USB charging packs that pop right out because if you need to check the bag, they're like, hey, you can't put a uh, lithium-ion battery in your check baggage. Fine. One, one click, pops right out. There you go. Uh and it's uh, just terrific. And I cannot tell you how convenient it is to have a USB charging pack right there in your suitcase with plenty of capacity to charge your phone or iPad or whatever device you want to charge time after time after time because uh, it's a really high capacity battery. It's not like, hey, you have to charge your suitcase uh, all the time. No, you charge your suitcase every couple of months. That's it. And then every time you travel, your suitcase is ready to charge your devices over and over and over again. It is a great device. So you travel during the holidays. It's crazy. But getting an away suitcase can make the trip a lot more seamless. Go to awaytravel.com slash talkshow20. Awaytravel.com slash talkshow20. You'll learn more. And if you want some uh, great ideas for year-end holiday gifts, sort of things you want to buy at the new year, just go there and uh, go to awaytravel.com slash talkshow20. Uh, all right. I feel like we're three parentheticals in. Where were we? <laughs> we're so deep. We were talking about Chip still. Oh, <laughs> uh, Chip. All right. So I I hope it works out because I do feel like if you just buy like a $20 thing that you stick in a socket and all it is is a power plug to put your Christmas trees in, it should work with all of your whatever your favorite 
voice assistant is. I, I, in theory, this is great. And I feel like Apple's source code dump, which is a, a very, you know, a very much security based, is yeah. a, a very good sign that Apple at least is thinking, hey, let's get everybody to adopt this stuff. Let's get them to do it in a way that is secure and private. And, you know, it, 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 Let's not try to lock anybody into Siri versus these other things. Let's just, you know, if you're if you're making a twenty dollar thing to plug your Christmas tree into, let's just make it work with everything. Yeah, I think it's it's very practical. Like Apple was late to market because they cared about security and everyone was throwing out these cameras and these devices that had absolutely no security concerns and everyone made wired articles about how he could hack your house. All of a sudden, and a lot of them didn't care because they were selling product right. and it was inconvenient for them to think about security. But I think Apple is approaching this a lot like they approach WebKit where they they can't be dominant and they can't make every product themselves. So what they can best do, it's like the, that old joke that everyone makes everything proprietary that makes them money, but then open sources everything that makes their competitors money because that's the best uh, right. strategy. And if they make this alliance, then at least they can take part, they can benefit from the overall ecosystem and hopefully donate something to the security end of it as well. You know, it's an interesting comparison to WebKit because in a weird way, they do kind of dominate with webkit because webkit's the only web rendering engine on the iphone and the iphone you know i don't know if you've heard about it but it's <laughs> kind of a thing well sure but when they did it like when when right. melton did that whole project right. it was by no means going to be a dominant right because it was years before the iphone yeah. even existed right but i feel like that's where they kind of are with siri where they've got ambitious goals yeah. And I think they get a bad rap. I, I really do. And and it, this is not trying to be an Apple cheerleader in the very least. I think Siri has gotten so much better that it it is one of the most, uh, you know, here it's the decade in review. I feel like yeah. uh, it, it one of the underreported stories of the decade in review is how much better Siri has gotten in the last three or four years. Um, it still isn't great, but part of what makes it frustrating is that it still has so far to go. And part of what makes it um, something that people think just plain sucks is that it's based on their first impressions from three or four years ago. I, I feel, and, and I really, you know, that's human nature, but I feel like, you know, you give something a, a X number of chances and X is some reasonable integer, like four five, six. And if, if it lets you down that number of times, you're just like, forget it. I'm not going to use it anymore. And people give up on it. And then three, yeah. four years later, the thing that, you know, like Siri is so much better, but people don't try it because they think, ah, it never understands what I say. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me is that there's just, there's still even now an inconsistency to it. And I've joked about it, like, I can say, call my mom and nine times it works perfectly. Yep. The 10th time it calls some hairdresser that I've never <laughs> heard of. And it just, it makes me think there's a server in Eddie right. Q's closet that he's never updated, but it's still somehow <laughs> attached to the CDN and we all hit it right. once every 10 to 20 times. Right. And it's just... 
it's flabbergasting, but I think you're right. Like because Siri is assistant one, like it just, it's built into every iPhone and you see it with every new phone and every new iOS update that if they can make compelling features, when you do that, that setup buddy, every time they have a chance to hook you in, they just got to figure out what those compelling things are. Yeah. Uh, So the chip thing, I hope it works out, but uh, we'll see. But it would be great if you could just confidently buy yeah. uh, wall socket adapters from Ikea and know that they'll work with all of the major assistants. You know, it would be great. It would be absolutely great. I don't know how they make that happen. I feel like it's a little bit more, you know, maybe a lot more complicated than something like USB where it's all just wires. I feel like taking these uh, audio directions in various languages, you know, and passing them through. I'm sure it's more complicated, but in theory, this is the way everything should be. Even just basic functionality, because a lot of houses are mixed assistant houses now. And if you have an Alexa at home, but then you go out for a jog wearing your AirPods and Apple Watch, you should still be able to say, turn my thermostat on or turn on the lights on your way home. And it shouldn't matter which assistant you're using at the time. Well, that's us. We're a mixed assistant house. Yeah. We've got the uh, we've got the uh, Alexa. We've got the HomePods. We've obviously got a bunch of iPhones and iPads laying around. But like our like I said, our Christmas tree wall socket things are all, all only on the Alexa system. And you know, at times and you've got OK Google on your Pixel phone. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have that hooked up to I mean, my there. house. <laughs> but uh, you know, I. Uh, you know, it would be great if everything could yeah. work with everything the way that USB does. You know, if yeah. if you have a, a charger, if if you just plug it in and you have a thing that goes from this plug to that device, then it can charge anything. You know, like I'm sure they'll screw it up. They'll say, oh, that's chip one compatible and you need chip 1.2 compatibility yeah. on it. They'll screw it up some way, but at least it'd be a beginning. Well, anyway, I hope it works out. Yeah. I. I kind of feel like it is in everybody's interest. It's not lock-in in theory is a competitive advantage, but I feel like in this realm, it, it really would be better for everybody if there were a successful standard uh, that uh, just let people make just basic things, light bulbs and wall sockets and stuff that just worked with everything, you know, and so they didn't have to do it. And if Apple has already done a lot of the groundwork on the, hey, let's make sure this is private and secure, then I feel like these other companies can piggyback off that and say, like, well, maybe we don't care uh, as much about uh, security and privacy as Apple does, but if they've already done the work, why don't we piggyback off that? That would be good. uh, Also, like their competitors own so much of the market, it's becoming harder and harder to have just home kit stuff. Like I remember the Natatmo doorbell looked so much better, so much more private, so much more secure than the Ring doorbell, which we still hear horror stories about. And it was announced last year, and I still don't think it shipped. There's there's not many options. So have you been following this story about the Ring uh, security issues? it's an, I've seen a bunch of them, yeah. It's an interesting story to me because what's happened to some people who have them is absolutely horrible. Horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible. 
stuff. So no denying that. And then Ring came out a couple of days after the story broke and said, hey, this isn't really a security problem with our product. It's the fact that all we have is a uh, like to get into a ring, you, you you just need an email and a password. And so many, literally millions, tens, millions, probably hundreds of millions of people around the world use the same email and password for multiple services because, you know, that's, yep. you know, it, it, everybody says don't do that, but you know, hundreds of millions of people do that. And if one service somewhere stores your password as the password, which they shouldn't do in the first place, right? It should only be stored, written to disk in a hashed format. Like some Home Depot was going to do it somewhere. Right. Some Home Depot, I don't want to throw Home Depot under the bus. I mean, they got, they were one of the biggest breaches, I think, recently. (laughs) There's another one. There's a couple really big store breaches. Well, let's throw them under the bus. Yeah. (laughs) But somebody like Home Depot stores your password as the actual password and the email. And then if they get hacked and, you know, 20 million email and passwords get leaked, then that hack goes out. Any malfeasant out there who wants it can download the whole thing, and then they can just start trying random services with all of these email and password combinations. They did it with Disney Plus the weekend it came out. Uh, and got in, right? It, yep. It's crazy. But, it, 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 you know, it speaks to the fact that security experts have been saying for a long time that, hey, don't use the same password on more than one service, blah, 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 blah. And they keep saying it. And people keep doing it because that's what they did. But it's like, it's not even you. Like, you could be the most scrupulous person who has never told another human soul what your magic password is that you use on multiple services. And you, you... you you don't even tell your your partner, you don't tell your kids, you don't tell your uh, pastor, you don't tell anybody. It's only in your head. But if one of those services gets hacked and the service stores your password in plain text, all of a sudden anybody can try that email and password combination on. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, just go down the list of services that you would like to try to get a hack into. They try your email and password and you didn't do anything wrong other than the fact that you reuse the same password on more than one service. All of a sudden you're in. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened to these ring people, right? Is that uh, you, you get one of these ring cameras put it in your house or outside or whatever but the one you know the people who are obviously uh traumatized by this rightfully so you know are the ones who have them inside their house and it's it's not that the ring is easily hackable and that if if i find out hey renee ritchie has a ring camera 
and then I can just magically uh, hack into your camera easily. No, but it's if I have this list of 20 million email addresses and passwords and I start randomly trying them. So I can't target you specifically, but I might hit you randomly by going through these, you know, millions of email and password combinations I've downloaded from some hacked website that idiotically stored their passwords in plain text. And then all of a sudden now I'm hooked up to your camera and I can see everything your camera sees and, uh, and the people who are, you know, into this are terrible people and they're saying weird things. They, they look in the camera and they see it's a child and they're saying, you know, terribly, uh, yeah. racist things to these kids. It's all horrible. In, in a sense, the ring people are right that they weren't hacked. But in another sense, it's like you, if it's something as sensitive as a camera and microphone pointing into your house, you probably should have set it up with something better than email plus password security. I mean, Apple learned this the hard way because that's how the original iCloud breaches happened with right. people either reusing passwords or having security questions for celebrities that were on Wikipedia, right. basically. Right. Um, I think that, that was the Sarah Palin thing, too. No, that's very true. And, yeah. you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson, I mean, it wasn't yeah. just political. It was it was a bunch of people who, who had their uh, iClouds, uh, iCloud accounts hacked. And yeah. it was – yeah, you're exactly right, though. It was very similar where uh, – it was just email plus password and the, you know, extra questions for security. That were publicly which I, available answers. Which I, I yeah. hate. Every time, I've never been comfortable with them. I mean, I'm talking like going back 20 years when they're like, hey, what's your father's middle name? And I'm like, hey, that's not that secret. Know. You know what I mean? Like somebody could easily look that up. And I'm like... But uh, I generally answered them truthfully because I'm like, what else am I going to do? You know, and I know that like one password lets you like answer them with, you know, a complete gibberish answer so that you can look up in one password. What does uh, who what does Google think my father's middle name is? And it's like, uh, you know, a pseudo random blob. Gliberal. Yeah. As a hilarious aside, um, they, in the province of Quebec, they still ask you for your mother's maiden name as a security question, but it's illegal by law for people for a wife to take her husband's name. They, they, you have to keep your maiden name. So everybody knows everybody's maiden name because that's the name they go by. But they still ask it as a security question. We can't win. No. Uh, but it just shows that all of those that, – that, that, that whole path of – personal security of of asking you things that supposedly only you would know it's it the whole path is broken and the right path is you know some kind of second factor thing with every password being total gibberish or if not gibberish you know just like three random three or four random words separated by dots or dashes or something something that adds some entropy to your password right but not something that has any kind of meaning to you personally but uh 
And that's why Apple came out with that whole, well, the first two-step fa- two authentication and then the new two-factor authentication. Right. My only issue with Ring is that it's sort of like they just, they keep doing stuff like this. Like the, they famously let the, the Ukrainian outsource company have direct access to people's camera feeds out of expediency. And then they gave, like, they had this whole thing going on with the cops where they would help them install like the, the Ring doorbells. And it's just, it just feels like they need to reprioritize security yeah. in their list of things that matter to them. Well, and uh, right. So I feel like they, I, and uh, I haven't bought the ring camera things. Uh, and I, I really could use them to be honest yeah. at our front door. Uh, and, uh, but I've honestly had like a bad privacy feeling about them the whole yeah. time and and i get it that they're not hacked because they're easily hackable i get it that they got that that people are getting hacked because it's it's just a simple email password thing and so many millions of people's emails plus password they use everywhere have been leaked that that's basically how they've been quote unquote hacked so i get it that it's not their fault that if you used a good strong unique password with ring and that's all you did all the only security step you took was that your ring account uses a good strong unique password you're good and I get it, and, and that's what I would do, but it's not what everybody in my family would do. It's certainly no. not what everybody I know would do. You know, most people don't do that, and so it is kind of on ring to have designed a system. And and I say this all the time on Daring Fireball, where like good design isn't really. It shouldn't be centered on what people should do. It should be yeah. centered on what people will do. It's considerate. Right. It's what yeah. what will people do, not what should they do. Because people aren't going to do the should thing most of the time. They're going to do what they will do. You know, it's the, the, the old story about, like, uh, how, how do you set the pathways on a college campus? Yeah. And it's like just – just lay down grass everywhere. Yep. Wait a year and then see where the see where the paths are worn and then pave those because yep. people are going to walk there anyway. Yeah. I also think that, you know, as I think it's fair to say that as much as these are products when you're dealing with a company like Amazon and like Google and like Facebook, they are also intended to be data harvesting endpoints. Yep. So they're designed to take your stuff and put it on Amazon or Google or Facebook servers. And that means there has to be an inherent greater level of security like that nanatmo natatmo i forget how to pronounce their name that doorbell it saves to an sd card like there yeah. is or to your personal dropbox right there's no like their server end right so i think if you're designing this stuff and you're marketing it and you're also your side business or your side hustle or your main hustle is sucking in all this data so you can feed your algorithms and your facial recognition and and whatever there's an even higher standard for you to provide the protection to the people who are using those devices yeah, I think so completely. All right, let's take a break. Thank our next sponsor. It's our good friends at HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? Look, this is absolutely, it, this is living in the internet age. This is one of the great companies. You can get terrific seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients, all of the food delivered right to your door 
with HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit. They make cooking at home fun, easy, and affordable. It's really great. Break out your dinner rut. You you feel like you just keep cooking the same stuff over and over again. Sign up for HelloFresh. They have 22-plus seasonal chef curated recipes each week. So there's only seven days in a week. You have 22 things to choose from. It is absolutely phenomenal. And they have something for everyone, including low-calorie meals, vegetarian meals, and family-friendly recipes for people with small kids, young kids who aren't adventurous eaters. Let's just face it. Uh, And they have them for you every single week. They have more five-star recipes than any other meal kit company, so you know you're going to get something delicious. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and prepping. And let's face it. To me, that is it, it, half the problem isn't really the cooking. It is the what the hell are we going to eat tonight? What are we going to eat? What do we have? What are we going to get? What are we going to buy? What, 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 what? And Hello Fresh cuts that out. You pick, bop, 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 this is what I want. And then it shows up. Everything in each meal is pre measured. You get just the right amount of every ingredient so you don't have like oh well we need a garlic but now we've got 10 times more garlic than we needed or etc etc no you get just what you need you use it you cook it and it's delicious and everything is ready to go from start to finish in about 20 to 30 minutes with our quick recipe options and Really, uh, the average trip to the grocery store, according to them, is 41 minutes. Whereas you get HelloFresh, you can start cooking. The whole meal is ready in 20 to 30 minutes. So before you would even be back from the grocery store, you can have a hot, fresh meal right on your table, delicious, ready to go, with all of the instructions, all of the ingredients right on, right, right delivered to you. Uh it's really a great service. You can add extra meals or lunches. If you need like lunches to go with you to work or something like that, you can add them to your order. Uh, if you don't want something like lunches, you don't have to get them. It's all very customizable. They also have options like dessert and they have garlic bread and cookie dough and all sorts of things that you can add on. If you want them, get them. If you don't, don't. Uh, easily change your delivery days. You can pick which days you want the food delivered. You want them Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or something like that, or you want them only on Tuesday and Thursday. You can easily pick those things, and you can skip a week. If you know you're going to be out of town, you could just say, hey, we're not going to be here. Skip this week. Boom. You don't get any food. Uh, It's really, really great. And it's really affordable. HelloFresh starts at just $5.66 per serving per meal, which is just an unbelievable price. So go to HelloFresh.com slash TalkShow10 and use that code TalkShow10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, 
including free shipping. That's just an unbelievable deal. Use that code TALKSHOW10 at HelloFresh.com slash TALKSHOW10, and you get up to 10 free meals, including free shipping. Uh, really just an unbelievable deal. And I have to tell you, we've used it. We really love it. It, it the, the ingredients are just absolutely phenomenal, and it is an incredible convenience. So my thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring the show. Uh, all right. So you, you don't have a ring camera. No. And, I, you know, I've thought about them too, but I think even if I would ever get one, it would only ever be pointing out. I would never have right. one inside the house. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't want a camera inside my house no matter what company it was yes, from. You know, exactly. like even if like Apple uh, split itself and said, hey, we're going to fork our company. We're going to keep going with Apple is Apple. And we're also going to make a company called the Privacy Company. And literally, the, it's just devoted a, a company single-mindedly focused on privacy. And I still wouldn't want the camera in my house, but I, I would like uh, a better camera outside my house. I have yeah. a crappy doorbell that has a crappy camera from like 2006 pointing outside at the doorbell. I would like a better camera there. So I, I guess I'll buy something. And I'm not, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is what? It, it 24 hours a day, seven days a week is storing what happens outside my house and going to a server, right? Right. That's John taking the garbage out Tuesday. Right. <laughs> right. So every Sunday night when I take the garbage out, there I am. You know, in your Hulk pants. If if it's you know if it's pointed outside your house, to me, the worst privacy violation that could happen is a thing that somebody else could photograph, right? Because yeah. it's outside your house. So that's not why I don't get it. But uh, and I, I say this as someone who realizes that every Mac and iPad and iPhone and Google phone and whatever I have in my house has a camera on it. I just try not to think about it. Hey, maybe you want to put tape over your camera. And it's like, I've seen no evidence that the green light that indicates that the camera is in use isn't physically connected to the camera. You know, like, yeah, you, in my humble opinion, I can't prove it. Nobody can prove it. And obviously, if you put a piece of tape over the camera, you can prove that the camera isn't filming you but in my opinion i i don't worry about the cameras on my devices i really do feel like there's a, a, you know and you know all of my devices are apple devices but i do feel like there's pretty strong proof and from what i know personally pretty strong evidence that they they take it very seriously that uh like, I don't think Tim Cook has tape over the, his camera. And I know people are like, hey, uh, yeah. you know, there's that thing of Zuckerberg and Zuckerberg's yeah. using a MacBook and he's got tape over the camera. Like, if Mark Zuckerberg has tape over his camera, then I'm putting tape over my camera. And it's like, well, maybe that – A, we have no idea if that was actually his computer. Yeah. And B – he didn't make the computer, you know, like show no, me when Facebook running on it. So he has to be careful. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's the guy who runs a company that is trying to use your camera <laughs> surreptitiously without 
turning the light on. Uh, I don't think, you know, uh, Tim Cook or Phil Schiller or Eddie Q or Craig Federighi, I don't think any of them have tape over the cameras on their MacBooks because I think they know that if the camera's on, the light comes on, and that's, you know, you, you know that it's on. There's, there's, so I trust it that way, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I've seen no evidence that that's not, not the way that it actually works. No, it's tied into the secure element on all the modern Macs and iPhones and everything anyway. So it's basically a hardware channel, which I think is, is better in some cases. Yeah. Did you get a uh, Mac Pro? I did not. You know, I was thinking about it and I had what I called a bunch of FOMO YOLO, um, jealousy when i saw all of our friends getting them and unboxing them but the 2016 macbook pro is just so good and i'm only shooting 4k raw which you know it sounds like a lot but this machine is crushing it and i i don't like if i was doing multi-stream 8k raw or ari alexa like like jonathan morrison or or um mkbhd or i justine or some of that photogrammetry stuff that alex Lindsay does that takes days it would be a blessing to me but there's I, I was like just looking at it and looking at my budget and going, but I don't need it. And because I didn't need it, I managed to stop myself from buying it. It's uh, <laughs> I, I even thought about the display, but by the time I thought about it, it was pushed into February and that let me say, okay, I don't have to think about it for now. Well, there's a couple of things that are pushing late. So one of the things that is uh, fascinating to me, and it uh, it's not really related, but uh, did you see how long the delay is on AirPods Pro? No, I didn't. Uh, if you tried to buy AirPods Pro in any time in the last like three, four weeks, they're, like the delivery date is late January. So okay. in terms of like, hey, it's two weeks before Christmas, I wanted to get you know uh, my kid, my spouse, whoever, AirPods Pro, you, you were screwed. It was absolutely almost no chance. You know, there were like random. Yeah, it says four weeks right now. You know, you you could randomly find a store that yeah. might be near you that had them. But for the most part, it was five or six weeks, uh, four or yeah. five weeks delivery, which to me is crazy. Um, yeah. I, the pro, and, and I realized <laughs> the AirPods Pro are something that tens and tens of millions of people are interested in and might want to buy. And I realized that the Pro Display XDR is something that only thousands of people are interested in and want to buy. But it's similar in terms of you can't get one right now. You just can't go in and buy one. Um, You know, obviously two very different uh, price points. (laughs) Yes. We're talking yes. five thousand dollars plus thousand dollars stand versus you know what 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 are the AirPods Pro like? I loved your line. I think it was a WWC talk show when you said that you thought six K was the price when they kept calling it that. It's so close. It's because it is. <laughs> it, if you get yes. the stand, it's so close. It's a thousand dollars a K. I think it's. I I think you know. Obviously, people who are looking for the Pro Display XDR are looking to buy a display to use for years to come. It is not a 
a one-off purchase. It's not something you make on a whim. It is something you do professionally, blah, blah, blah. And AirPods Pro are something that maybe you buy, and a year or two from now, you'll get new whatever's, yeah. you know, AirPods Pro 2 or whatever will come out. And they're $200 versus <laughs> 6000 with a stand or 7000 with a stand and the matte finish. And those wheels. Don't forget those wheels. And, well, you can't get the wheels on the display. I don't think the display yeah, has true. wheels. <laughs> Although, you know, you know, let's give them time. I know. <laughs> and again, I, I, I laugh because it's a very high price point. I don't think that it's an unreasonable price point for what it is. You know, I just read a story today uh, from an animation company where they were like, hey, you know, everybody's joking about these displays, but prior to these displays being available, it would have cost us $30,000 a seat to get yeah. a a display of this caliber in front of everybody on our, our team. And now we can do it for $6,000. So I was joking on Twitter because I got an email from B&H saying that their new Sony reference display was in stock. And it was like $42,000. Yeah. And I didn't see a stand on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I laugh because they're just expensive, period. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, th I thought it was really interesting that the uh, AirPods Pro were sold out so far in advance of Christmas. Yeah. You know? I do. do I, I still. I have to be honest. I'm still using my re review unit. I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't buy them, <laughs> and I feel terrible because I was gonna buy ones for me and my wife. She doesn't listen to my podcast, so hopefully she won't hear this. But I was gonna get them for her for Christmas, and then it. You know, it was like December 14th or something, and I'm thinking, hey, it's only December 14th. I've got plenty of time. I'm ahead of the game. I'm not yeah. doing the thing I do every year where I screw up and wait too long uh, to get. And and then I go to get AirPods Pro, and they're like, uh, delivers January 20th. And I'm yeah. like, ah, shit. Yeah. I, I had I, a very similar thing. I bought a pair for myself because I was, you know, because I tried to replace the the review units and then I couldn't get them for Christmas. So I ended up giving the ones I bought <laughs> to, as a Christmas gift and now I have to buy myself a pair as soon as I can get them. I love them. And I will tell you, and uh, this is as good a time as any to reveal it. Uh, I did, I have a pair of Bose whatevers, you know, yeah. QS30s, whatever the hell they call them. The over-the-ear things that are also Bluetooth, noise-canceling, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I took a trip on an airplane at the end of uh, – or early in December. And I took them and my AirPods. And I will say I will never travel with those Bose things again, ever. There's 0, 0.0 chance that I will ever <laughs> take them on my trip. It's not the same because yeah. the Bose ones are over the ears. Before you even turn them on, they do block out more noise than AirPods Pro. Literally Absolutely. with with no electricity being used, no, no noise-canceling algorithm or anything. Yeah. They do because they're over your ear. And when the noise canceling is on, it is different. And if your goal is to put them in your ear and go on an airplane 
and not listen to anything. You don't, you're not listening to a podcast. You're not listening to music. You literally just want the noise canceled. Well, then you should probably still stick with some kind of over the ear thing. Cause it, it, it is a little bit better, but not that much better. It, it is different. You can definitely hear the difference. Um, but if you're listening to anything, if you're listening, if you're watching movies on your iPad or Mac or whatever, if you're listening to music, it is negligible how different they are. And I'm not even sure which one is quote unquote better, but the fact that the AirPods are so tiny and it, it is absolutely astounding to me how how competitive they are in terms of the noise canceling quality and you know i think for a lot of people the you know being in an airplane mid flight is sort of the noise canceling uh uh default scenario yep. It's absolutely amazing how competitive the AirPods Pro are with uh, something like the the current Bose uh, QS, whatever number they are. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, I've used a bunch of them too. And I know there are some people who are audiophiles and they complain about the sound quality of the AirPods and, and fair enough. But I've used them on a ton of flights now and a ton of different travel scenarios, coffee shops all over the place. And I'm astounded at something, not just this small, but most of the space in here isn't taken up with audio tech. It's taken up with a bunch of computer tech, and they can still wrangle out this kind of performance from them. It's really it, – and, and they're so much smaller. And I – you know, it, what what you actually carry onto the plane, you know, the the difference in weight and vo especially volume between the uh, AirPods Pro and a pair of over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones is so phenomenal. It's it's just ridiculous. Uh, I, I know I should, but I don't get told to take them off anywhere nearly as I do when I'm wearing when I used to wear those big the big headphones. Yeah, those were super obvious because <laughs> they look at you and they're like. Hey. Yeah. Take that, off. Yeah. Take that off. It's really easy. They don't notice half the time. All right. And it's weird. It's like the end of 2019 and we have, I forget what it was, a 10 core audio processors in our ears. That's how far we managed to go within a decade. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Everything's going to be a computer, Renee. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to say, I, I, taking them both on one flight and actually taking the time to try them side by side was uh, such. And, and again, this is the service I provide to the listeners of the talk show is now you don't have to do it. If you own AirPods Pro, just just listen to me. Don't even try the other ones. Leave them at home. Sell them. Give them to your brother-in-law, wh whoever will take them. Get rid of them. You don't need them anymore. Just use the AirPods Pro, and and the and the other thing that I brought with me on the same flight was regular old fashioned non noise canceling AirPods, although they were the second generation ones. And it 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 is tremendous the difference that the noise canceling 
AirPods Pro make when when you're on an airplane. You, uh, it, it's exactly what I thought, which is that the earbuds are really they're not useless on an airplane, you know. But it's there's just so much of that white noise from that just whoosh noise on an airplane flight, and it's just the perfect scenario for where you really do need, you know, and I use that word uh, somewhat cautiously, need, but you really do need noise canceling on an airplane. Um, Yeah. And it it just makes all the difference in the world. Uh, Really, just tremendous. I love the AirPods Pro. I, I, I think that they are we can segue into this because uh, I—it's part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show this week was uh, your uh, product of the decade selection. AirPods okay. <laughs> Pro are up there. I—I I, I would say yeah. they're—they're in the finalists. You know, they're—they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're, they're in the playoffs. My only thing was that I feel like their their best decade is yet to come. Like they yeah. made huge they started in twenty sixteen, but they made huge leaps this year. And if you follow the thread, yep. it just feels like they're gonna be even bigger in the next few years. Yeah, I totally agree. Like uh way longer battery life, way better noise yeah. cancellation, and way better sort of Siri integration. Yeah, I kind of feel like at some point in the next I would say even like three years. There will be a pair of AirPods that just make even today's AirPods Pro seem like garbage. Like they'll stream Apple Podcasts and Apple Music, maybe some third-party stuff directly. You won't even need the watch anymore. (laughs) All right. Let's just segue right into that. So you had a piece recently, Renee, where you picked. Now, again, this is the last episode of this podcast in the decade. And don't give me any of this nonsense that the decades start (laughs) in 2021. Everybody knows the way human brains work, that the decades start, you know, Prince didn't have a song called Let's Party Like It's uh, 2000. It was 1999, you know, you know. Oh, sorry, kid. You're not really 10 years old. You got to wait till next year. Exactly. So we're, we're... Days away, the show will come out right before the cusp of the new year. Um, but it, it's the you know it's the toggle of the decade. <clears throat> I personally don't do, and you know this. Yeah. You, you personally know this. People listening to this know it. I don't do a lot of like, hey, best blank of the year, best best this of the year. I, it's just not my style. And it's not because I'm opposed to it. It's just not what I'm good at. I don't have enthusiasm for it. So let the people who do do it, and I'll just link to so-and-so's, hey, here's the best uh, apps of the year or the best uh, you know, products of the year or the best blanks of the decade. But a decade, you know, it's a bigger deal. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I ought to speak up. You're you you made a declaration best product of yeah. the decade, and it was the the Apple Watch. Yeah, ah, and tell me tell me why you picked Apple Watch. It's, yeah, I, so I did. 
I did think of a few things, like because it's been such a big decade for Apple, like for everything from the iPad to the MacBook Air, which was essentially the template for every Ultrabook we got for the rest of the decade. Uh, it, there was just so two AirPods. There were just so many things. Some people love the iPhone 4, the iPhone 10. But to me, the big difference is that the Apple Watch was was a change within the way that um, a lot of these products worked and were designed to work because it saves lives. And a lot of people, as soon as I say that, people say, well, phones save lives and computers save lives and tablets. And that's all true. They absolutely do. But the Apple Watch was designed systematically to save lives and features were designed specifically to save lives. Like they took the health, the uh, heart rate monitor, which originally was just meant to give an accurate calorie count. But as they were doing their research, they started finding patterns. They started exploring it more and they realized they could detect AFib, for example. So they did low heart rate monitoring and high heart rate monitoring. And then the ECG app and fall detection and international emergency calling, which, you know, a phone can't really like, they're supposed to be able to do it, but just... If you have an accident and your phone is thrown out of your hand, just, in so many situations, the Apple Watch deliberately and specifically saves lives. And to me, that was just such a huge change in the continued evolution of personal computing. I, I, did you see the, the – there was a – somebody wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times in the last few days where it was like, ah, the, the whole uh, – uh, Apple tells you you can count on the – Apple Watch for yeah. uh, heart stuff, and it's like, ah, maybe not so fast. And it's like, it was such a total, uh, like, the worst, in my opinion, yeah. of like, hey, let's take the opposite approach to what everybody's saying and take that, you know, write a whole column about that. Where, it, it, like, the headline and the subhead were flat out flat wrong. Yes. And then you read the column and it's like, ah, all right. Yeah, this isn't, it's not so wrong. So it's not, it's not as easy to link to and disagree with. But my rule of headlines is that the headline is 50% of what matters. If the headline misleads, then it doesn't matter what the article says, whether it's a news reporting piece or an opinion column, You've already put people on the wrong path because and and it's only gotten worse because when you share stuff on Twitter or I guess Facebook, whatever, uh, when you paste the link, all they see is the headline and and the subhead. They'll tell you like in any algorithm, it's the click through rate is determined by the picture and the headline. Right. That's it. And uh, the the basic gist of this sort of hey not so fast with the apple watch is saving lives is like hey apple did this story or a study of a couple thousand people who opted in to do it and only x a small number of people actually participated and actually did everything they were supposed to do and of those people only a small percentage actually had uh atrial fibrillation and it's like uh but there was not one person who anything bad happened because they did it right not one person had like hey my life was made worse because i put on an apple watch and tried 
the heart monitoring thing and signed up for this study. Whereas even if it's a small number of people, there's a small number of people who the watch was like, hey, go to your doctor because I something might be wrong with your heart. And those people that it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's something wrong with my heart. I should do it. It 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 was like the opposite of yeah. uh, of I I get the idea. And it's like writing a column that says, hey, you're probably not going to have your life bettered in terms of your heart health if you buy an Apple Watch is not a great column, whereas, hey, <laughs> Apple says they're going to save your life and they're not is like a better column. I totally get that. But it's totally off the point, right? Like the only people who like the watch flagged are people who like should go to the doctor and it, I don't know. It, it, it annoyed me in a way. It, it, yeah, no, I get it totally because over the over the, like so the Apple Watch came out and for five years it's been a failure and beleaguered and has gotten very little recognition and that's despite people like Neil Seibert and right. Horace Dedia doing the math and showing people were saying like Alexa was a smash hit and right. the Apple Watch was <laughs> outselling it and the Apple Watch now and the AirPods have both outsold iPod at its peak and they're still like not considered breakthrough or hit products right. by a huge swath of of people and it's flabbergasting to me I think I don't know if it's just jealousy or some sort of weird technology disorder that infects a lot of people in the industry. But by any token, they're selling amazingly well, and it's bringing all these health and fitness features to people who at the worst will have a better life. And yeah. at best will, like my, my friend Georgia, who you know, she fell yeah. down the stairs and it went off and yeah. she was badly hurt. Right. And luckily her, her husband hurt her and came running down. But if she'd been home alone, that would have called 911 for her when she could not. I, I, you know what? That's a great example because I feel like the atrial fibrillation feature, which Apple has to get country by country uh, regulatory yeah. approval for, for good reason. You know, let's uh, you know that this isn't a complaint about uh, government regulations, but uh, you know, for good reason, they have to get approval for it, and so it it definitely is limited by where you live. So yeah. if you live in the U.S. or Canada, you've already got it. Uh, is it? Yeah. You, you do have it in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <So> finally. <laughs> <laughs> but as you go around... We got the world, it in July of last oh, year. thank God. Or this year. Yeah. <laughs> but as you go around the world, you may not have it if you live outside of, of North America. Uh, it, but for good reason. And... But the fall detection thing to me is way more interesting uh, than the atrial fibrillation thing because it it just seems more common and it doesn't require the regulatory approval that yeah. it does, and it it works. It really does. I yeah. you know I know you, your friend Georgia, you know had a fall. I've gotten emails. I'm sure you have too. I've gotten emails from people yep. who read Daring Fireball, you know, because there's hundreds of thousands of people who read my website 
And so even if only, you know, a tenth of a percent of people suffer a bad fall and, you know, only among the people who actually own an Apple Watch and whatever percentage of those people would deem fit to email me about it. But I've gotten, you know, several emails from people who are like, hey, you know, I I slipped on the third stair. I fell down three stairs. I'm fine, you know. I was fine, uh, but maybe if I was, instead of being 45 years old, if I was 85 years old, I wouldn't have been fine. And the watch was like, hey, are you okay? We detected a fall. Do you want to call services? And they're like, this is phenomenal. And they're like, as soon as I got that, I was like, you know what I did? I bought my dad and my mom an Apple Watch, you know. Because, you know, my dad is 84, you know, and if he took a fall like that, he probably wouldn't be okay. And it would be phenomenal if he could just tap one button on his left wrist to call 911 services. It it, it really is very impressive technology. And I get it. I It's not my pick for product of the decade, but it, I, I get why you picked it. And the, the services that provide these sorts of things are typically really expensive every month, you know, when you, when you yeah. add them up. But also, like, this is one of those things where it's only Apple. Like, there, yes, there are other watches on the market, but Qualcomm so far has not been able to make good watch silicon because no one no one's really buying it in sufficient quantities. So they have, like, an old phone chip they've rehashed twice and now added a coprocessor to. And Wear OS from Google... Even people who love Android will tell you it's it's non-functional in right. terms of being a wearable. And that shows you just how hard it is to make these things. If Google, one of the best software companies in the world, and Qualcomm, one of the best chipset companies in the world, can't even get it together, and that's with the Apple Watch to compete with. So if Apple wasn't in this market, I don't think we'd be very far at all when it comes to wearables. Well, and I think, I think that – and again, I say this – as somebody who years ago wished that, uh, you know, I, I said Apple needs its Nikon. And that was comparing Apple to Canon in the way that in the the camera, you know. And yeah. It, it, it shows how many years ago that I was only talking about Canon and Nikon because <laughs> I, I think they've been passed in so many ways by other companies, especially Sony, who, who yeah. has really, really stepped up their camera game. But the basic idea stands, which is that if you want a serious professional camera, you have several, at least a handful of companies to choose from. Yeah. And it's probably not reasonable to expect dozens of companies you know the markets tend to consolidate competition tends to force people out but it's it's not good when you don't have competition it, yeah. it's not good for it, it's definitely not good for your customers but the thing that to me is counterintuitive is that it's not good for the company itself because that's how you end up getting locked into a weird corner and the whole market goes another way and you're yes. not ready to go there. Um, and cameras are, 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 to me, the perfect example where there's always been, at least in my lifetime, a couple of brands that you could choose from that offer 
truly excellent professional yeah. cameras. And, you know, the problem, it, it, and I think it's a serious, serious problem for those of us in the Apple ecosystem is you get locked into the Apple ecosystem and, you know, you get ruled out of these other devices, you know, and you hope that Apple is keeping up. But, you know, again, yeah. it's a whole tangent. We won't take... Televisions are the same thing. There's yeah. just so many competing brands. Oh, yeah. yeah. But on the watch front, it's the opposite, where Apple is so racing ahead on what you can do with a modern digital watch, a computer yeah. on your wrist. And they're so far ahead of every other company that... It's 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 embarrassing to the other companies, yeah. to be honest. And and you know, it's part of the reason I'm not gonna say you're wrong for picking Apple Watch as the product of the decade. And I would honestly say that uh, above and beyond any particular reason to buy an Apple Watch today, to me, the the best argument for your decision to say that's the product of the decade is how far ahead it is than anything sure. that competes with it. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It it is Steve Jobs's. Hey, we're five years ahead of the competition. Yes. Uh, honestly, I would say it's more than five years ahead of the competition. It it's absolutely ridiculous how far ahead Apple Watch is com compared to the next best Apple Watch like thing. Yeah, which isn't that great and only works and runs Tizen. And, yeah, yeah. It, and is big and chunky and doesn't look good and and again there's so many ways that, you know we could do a whole podcast on just the ways that we want apple watch to get better oh yeah absolutely starting with the fact that we really i, I mean everybody wants it to be an independent device right yep. like you don't want it to have to be tied to an iphone uh my nephew who's like uh i think he's 10 i don't know you know, he's around 10. He's either 9, 10, or 11. Uh, got <laughs> an Apple Watch for Christmas. But he doesn't have an iPhone. Yeah. And so it's weird, right? Like, so his iPhone is tied to his dad's phone. Yeah. And it, why should that be? It should yeah. be. It, it It's a perfectly reasonable thing for people to say, you know what? I want my uh, 11-year-old son to have an Apple Watch, but I don't want him to have an iPhone and cellular service and all this stuff. Uh, the fact that you can't do that cleanly is weird. And yeah, I think that's what they're working towards because if you look at what they've been doing, like adding LTE, adding an independent app store, it seems like they're putting all the bricks in place so that they can tie, that they can cut that tether. Yeah, I totally think so. Although I kind of thought once they added LTE, I thought that... By the end of 2019, we'd be there. It's not real LTE still. It's still yeah, piggybacking off exactly. the phone's LTE. And I think they have to take that next step. Right. Totally. And, uh, you know, and in theory, it shouldn't require that either. It, even just the Wi-Fi, you should be able to put it, put the yeah. phone on Wi-Fi and when you're home, have it. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, 
could be better. Well, it's like the the iPhone was tethered to iTunes until iOS five, and then we got iCloud, and the, yeah. that was that was the five versions in. So we've just passed five versions in for the watch, but it's a way more constrained device. So I'm willing to cut them right. like a couple of years slack on their timeline. <laughs> I well, I'll cut them a little slack. But no, I should absolutely be that. That would be fa- like it's that. There's like a couple more features, but that's the biggest one because right. like people will say Apple Watch should support Android. Like no, that's that's short term thinking. That's yeah. way too much work for way too little benefit. Yeah, way we just too make little. it independent, and right. anybody with any phone or, right. or no phone can right. buy it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's and it. It's that iCloud moment where the truth yeah. is in the cloud, and devices are just devices, and you should be able to, you know. Opt in, have it prompt you and tell you, hey, we're going to store all of this data from your watch in your iCloud account in the cloud. Do you agree or do you not agree? But if you agree, there it goes. And then you're good, you know. And well, like a mutual friend, Dieter Bone was saying, he, he, he went back to an Android phone, but he uses his Apple Watch to stay in contact with iMessage. And if, but you, you imagine he still has to have an iPhone somewhere right. that's piggybacking on that. It'd be great right. if that wasn't the case. Yeah. All right. Let me take another break here and thank our next sponsor, ExpressVPN. Look, if you ever use Wi Fi at a hotel or like at the mall or on an airplane or a cafe, look, you're sending your data over an open network with no encryption at all. The best way to ensure that all of your data is encrypted, no matter what you're connected to, what network you're connected to, is by using a VPN. And ExpressVPN is a terrific option. All you need to do is download the ExpressVPN app on your computer, your smartphone, or your tablet, whatever, your iPad. And then you just hit one button and then just use the internet as you normally would. You don't have to do anything else. You can go to the regular mail app you use to check your email and all of your email comes in over the VPN. Uh, You go to the web. Every single website you visit, all of the traffic goes through the VPN virtual private network it's all private it really is the easiest thing you can do to keep your data secure keep your location secure keep your privacy private all you need to do is download the express vpn app hit one button and everything is secure it is very fast it is very reliable. It doesn't slow down your internet. You think like, well, once I turn this on, then everything has to go through them and it slows everything down. You won't notice any difference. You won't. You really won't notice it except for the fact that you know that everything is secure and private. They are a, a company. ExpressVPN takes privacy so serious. They invented a technology called Trusted Server to ensure that their VPN servers run from RAM with no data or logs written to any server's hard drive, even by accident. Everything is in RAM. As soon as they unplug a server, everything is gone. 
everything. Nothing gets written to disk. It is that's how serious they take your privacy and security because that's the thing with a VPN. You say, hey, use a VPN. Your privacy is only as good as you trust the company. ExpressVPN is definitely uh, trustworthy. So go to expressvpn.com slash TTS. TTS for the talk show. Expressvpn.com slash TTS. And when you go to that URL, you will get an extra three months of service for free when you sign up. So go there, support the show, and you can use them. One of the, uh, in addition to privacy, you can use them to watch streaming video from other regions from where you live. Because uh, you can pick which virtual private server you're connected to and it'll look like you're coming from there. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash T-T-S. Uh, all right. Product of the decade. You picked Apple Watch. All right. Here's my pick. My pick, and I've been thinking about this a lot, and, and it was specifically prompted by your piece. I think Apple Watch is a good pick. My pick is uh, iPhone ten, And I think that the iPhone ten is has been so in the large part overlooked in terms of how profoundly it changed the uh, how much work they had to do on the hardware side and the software side to to get it to where it was when it shipped uh, and the hardware side takes so much longer than people think you know i i honestly think and i feel like i've been writing about this for years and years and years that it takes you know i don't know close to 2 years for them for apple to ship you know to 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 lock in hardware uh in the large part and at least a year in in the smallest part like if they want to make the smallest of small changes it still takes a year before they get to the point where they, because they make so many of these things, I, I talking to people at Apple and and having friends who work there, honestly, I think I've been underselling how long it takes to 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 make hardware. I think it's it is it the lead way is so long, it is ridiculous to make Apple quality hardware. Absolutely, and the the fact that they don't make, um. Uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it, you know, uh, uh, asterisk hardware, you know, footnote hardware, you know, like the, the Samsung Galaxy Fold. That's just to name one example. Let's even if it hadn't had the problems that it had in terms of the initial versions, you know, actually literally breaking while people using them, it, it, even if everything had gone as they had hoped, it was asterisk hardware where it was a footnote where it was like, ah, you know, a couple thousand people are going to buy these things. You know, yeah. this was not well, a better story. It's like the Galaxy S10 that shipped. I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the S10 or the Note 10, but originally they designed it without 
buttons. It was going to be like one of those uh, yeah. capacitive or squeeze things. And one of the executives finally saw it and said no. And like just when you start thinking that they had done that before it was signed off on, right. it's just not the way Apple works. Right. But then they had to put all the buttons on one side <laughs> and they couldn't do the buttons. They wa- and that sh- like th- that is not how you ever want a hardware right. no. production pipeline to work. No. It- uh, but we take it for granted that Apple fixes those things before we ever see them. <laughs> So bad, but <laughs> you 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 would like everything to be thoughtfully designed and thought through, and most companies, you know, don't do that. Unfortunately, it goes back to being consider. Yeah, you want to be considerate, right? And you know, uh, basically, I mean, the one thing I, I hear and, you know, I know you have friends at Apple and I know you yeah. have sources at Apple. I have friends and sources and friends who are sources. But the one thing that comes back over and over again is that they they really do, the people at Apple really do try to make the devices and computers that they themselves would want yeah. to buy. And that they're happy to buy and recommend to their friends. And it's not about, hey, let's make sure 2019 we hit our revenue number and let's ship whatever we have to ship at whatever price point to hit this thing. It's 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 a constant iteration of let's try to make the thing that we want to buy ourselves. And you know when they fall short when when the keyboards suck on macbooks you know yeah. uh, the best sources i've had on that over the last couple of years are people inside apple you know yeah. who are like yeah the keyboard sucks it's terrible yes. and uh you know but we're we're working on it we we realize it you know that was to me the thing that was like the light at the end of the tunnel of the bad keyboard saga on macbooks which again we're not out of yet because they've only shipped the first you know the only thing they've shipped with the new keyboard is the 16 inch macbook pro although i do think that the the rest of the keyboards they are shipping i think have fixed the hey keys get stuck they're just not great keyboards right they've taken the edge off of it Right, but that's the same thing. It's like they could have, they they can't revert because they have a whole roadmap going ahead that requires certain things from a keyboard. So they have to literally make a new keyboard, which is a two-year endeavor. The way that they make keyboards, right? Exactly. Which, you know, it it's it's the downside to relying on a company that makes everything from the operating system to the hardware. Is that if they screw up, you're buying screwed up products you know there's there's no way around that yeah i mean they can they can fix an antenna in about half a year but they couldn't fix that keyboard fast right so my pick for the product of the decade is the iphone 10 and and the reason why is that i i really do think that they pulled off like in a way, and I love it. I love like close up magic. I love like the Penn and Teller show. I, I just love it. But I almost feel like they pulled off a magic trick where they had, they said, like, hey, 
we're 10 years into this thing where we've created this thing that is the most successful consumer product in the history of consumer products, literally. I, I mean, you can really make the case that the original iPhone going through the iPhone 8 is the single most successful product in history. I mean, and I'm talking about toothpaste, uh, yeah. Tide detergent, washing machines, Corvettes, and and cars, and Boeing airplanes. You know, you can go all the way from a tube of toothpaste to a fifty million dollar Boeing seven forty seven. The single most successful product in history is the iPhone. It really is. Yeah. They've they've made more money than anybody, and more you know, money than people who have oligopoly control over fossil fuel resources. Right. It, <laughs> yeah, it's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. But that the fundamental notion of the iPhone is it is this thing with a screen and one button underneath, and the button is you you click the button and that takes you out of whatever you're yeah. doing to the home screen and then you click another thing on the home screen and then that's what you're doing to a device with no button. And I really do think that it is under remarked upon how successfully they changed the fundamental root level of how the system works on these devices of the most popular product on the planet uh, with the iPhone 10. And I really, and, and I really do think that the, the iPhone 10's fundamental notion of how these devices work is easily suited for another 10 year run, you know, and until they need to do it again, maybe longer, you know, and no other computing platform in history has ever made that transition mid flight without any sort of decline in popularity or something like that. I, I, so that's my pick. I, I really do think that the iPhone 10 and consider myself guilty as having not written enough about how brilliant this transition has been between the old way of having a, a home button, a physical home button, to the new way of having no button and doing everything with gestures on the screen, it 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 is so easily overlooked, and and it's the success of the idea and the implementation that it was so easy to overlook. It's so interesting to me, too, because it's one of those things where you look back and Apple replaced the iPod mini, most successful iPod at the time, with the iPod Nano, which people thought was absurd. And here you have the iPhone, which is the iconic phone for so many people with that home button. Right. And they replaced it with another phone, but they did it in a very opinionated way. And they tested other things. Like they had a virtual home button yep. on some of the early prototypes that was a different UI, but they were like, no, we're getting rid of it. We're going all into this. And just by comparison, you look at like Android 10 and a bunch of the Android devices and people are still complaining and arguing about how the gestures should work and being upset by the different implementations. 
I mean, Apple managed to do that in one cut of the knife. And I think that's that's part of what makes Apple Apple. It's that they do all the testing internally. They come to a very opinionated choice. Then they stick by it and they put it in a complete package that feels like it's one thing and works. Right. I, I've always said, you know, and, uh, you know, it's it it's always good grist for a talk or a column or an entire podcast. What is design? What What does design mean? But fundamentally to me, design is making decisions. And, you know, the more you design something, the more of those decisions you make as the designer, as opposed to leaving to the user. And uh, they made very, very strong decisions with the iPhone 10, whereas there is no option. There's no way to configure the phone to put a virtual home button down there. No. Right. You know what? I don't want this to be different. I just want to have a thing down there that I tap. There's certainly room. They could have done it and they didn't. And I think the fact that so few people have complained about it is absolutely extraordinary. Because also don't let people opt out, which I think you can still do on Android. Like, like Fruit Ninja can't say no. You can't swipe left or right on this app. You, you, the apps had to adapt to the new paradigm. Right. And. So I don't want to get into an argument about who's ripping off whom, blah, blah, blah. And I know that there have been the new fundamental notion in the iPhone 10 era is that instead of a home button, you swipe up from the bottom. And that is how you go back to the home screen. Or if you swipe up a little, it's how you get to the app switcher. Um and I get it. I know that there have been other uh, touchscreen devices that have a swipe up from the bottom to blank uh, metaphor or or conceptual design. Uh, going back to the Palm Pre, which was... It's know, actually, just as a fun aside, there was a bunch of designers at Apple that did a lot of that stuff. Like the original version of Safari on the original iPhone had the card metaphor. It was abandoned later, but it had it. Hmm. And then when, when um, what's his name? Uh, John Rubenstein yeah. uh, left. He, a bunch of designers went with him and they made WebOS. And then right. when that failed, half of them went to Google with Mateus Duarte and half of them went back to Apple. And they're, they're still making those interfaces. Right. So I get it. It's not it's not about being first. It is about doing it right. Yeah. Right? And and and, and it, it, it's a debate that goes all the way back to the original Macintosh where the you know, uh, people who want to take credit away from Apple and Steve Jobs' Macintosh team from the early 80s yeah. and they want to say you know they just ripped off xerox and and all the stuff that xerox was doing um and that you know you can find quotes from steve jobs who's like once i saw the xerox stuff i knew that every computer was going to work this way blah 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 and you're like well then you know he was just a ripoff artist uh but it's it, it's more complicated than that to me where it's like you have to look at it and figure out the right way to do it. And there's a reason why this, it wasn't just like institutional obstinance on Xerox's part. What they were making, you know, these $20,000 systems, you know, to get started, like 
it was, you know, so expensive that of course it wasn't going to really take root at a consumer yeah. level. And it, when you really look at it, it's like, okay, there's overlapping windows and there's a mouse that you can drag and it moves a pointer on the screen and you can click on buttons. But when you get past that and, and you actually look at how the Xerox systems worked pre Macintosh, it's like, well, it was kind of shitty, right? Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't great. And then you use the original, you know, system one from 1984 with the Macintosh. And you're like, this is, you know, it's limited. It's missing so much. It is missing a lot. But what is here, everything that is here is actually great. It works exactly the way you would expect it to. It is really, really well thought out. Uh, that's the difference. And to me, the the thing that the iPhone 10 pulled off looking at this is this transition from a what's the fundamental notion of the system. And to me, the fundamental notion of the 2007 iPhone is we have a rectangular screen and it's in one of two states. It's either on the home screen where you have a, a list of apps and then you tap an app, and when you do tap an app, then the second yeah. state is the app has the screen. And then how do you get out of the app? The app doesn't have anything to do with it. It It's this button underneath the screen, and you tap it, and then you go back to the home screen. The app closes, and then you're back at the home screen. And, you know, they obviously... Uh, parlayed that single button into extra functions over the years. They made it so yeah. that a double tap would put you in multitasking mode once they allowed apps to, to maintain their state in the background. Yeah. And famously, you know, uh, turned it into a fingerprint sensor with the iPhone yeah. 5S, I believe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, so they, they, they extended that basic system for a while. But the iPhone X was like a, just a total rethink of, hey, what should the phone be today? And the answer of there should be no button. It should just be entirely a screen on the front face. Informed everything else about it, including the hardware which involved the notch and the, you know, face ID center and face ID has worked fabulously, you know, yeah. since, since it came out, you know, it, it, fingerprint sensor was controversial at first. The face sensor was controversial. Everybody is a little skeptical of these biometric authentication things at first. Until any other vendor does it. Yeah. Until they do it. <laughs> And the notch itself was controversial aesthetically, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that the, they they set that hardware in stone two years in advance and then caught up to it with software by the time it shipped and had it be such a cohesive system that for people who switch from an old iPhone to the new one, if I, I honestly don't know anybody, technical or non-technical, who 
truly regrets upgrading to a yeah. 10-class phone. I, to me, that's the, the product of the decade. And it's, it's amazing when you think about how many things had to come together for that, because the, in order for Face ID to work, they had to have the neural network uh, in the silicon, like built in. Back then, people were saying Apple had no idea about artificial intelligence, were being right. wrapped by Google, right. were so far behind. They never, and two years prior to people saying that, they were baking AI into a neural engine block on the processor. Right. And they even, like not like Samsung, where they made a folding screen, they folded the display backwards against itself in the device, they wouldn't have to have a chin. And we're still seeing new phones come out with a chin because they either can't afford or can't figure out how to how to do that reversal for the for the display. So it is an amazing, just like the original iPhone was an amazing achievement in terms of multi-touch and you know all these technologies coming together. This is is I agree with like, it's totally a valid choice too because so many things had to come together. It was like shooting arrows into arrows that then hit a target for that phone to ship. Yeah, I and I I I think there you know, I wish that there was a Mac cuz you know, the Mac is my favorite yeah. Apple product, is my favorite product in the world. I wish there was a Mac that I could pick as the product of the decade. I do think that the Mac is back on track. I think that with the iMac Pro and the new 16-inch MacBook Pro and even, Even the Air from 2010, yeah. it defined like every Ultrabook that came yeah. out for the rest of the decade was based on that. MacBook yeah, Air. that that would be my. Uh, that's exactly where I was going. Was that if you want to pick the product of the decade and not be biased towards stuff that came out in the last 18 months yeah. at the end of the decade, the 2010 MacBook Air is arguably. It has to be on the list because yeah. every single it, it, it got to the point where unless you were looking at the back of the open laptop to see if it had a glowing Apple logo, you couldn't tell if it was a MacBook or not. Right. It was like, yeah, if you're looking at the front of it, it was aluminum. It was wedge shaped. It had a black keyboard that lit up. And it, I mean, every single laptop looked like. Uh, uh, 2010 MacBook Air for quite a number of years. I, I was would, funny because when I, I would did put the that product, on the short list. Totally, and when I did the product of the decade list, like I was going through it, uh, and I looked at a bunch of other ones. Like The Verge had the iPhone four uh, at the top of their list, and I think you can make an argument for that too because it was such like the first Retina display, yeah. first front facing camera, all these things. But when you look at that list and you go through it from iPad to uh, 2010 MacBook Air to the iPhone 4, um, you could argue the iPad Pro maybe, AirPods, Apple Watch, iPhone 10. There's not a lot of room for other companies on that list. And that it's, a, it's an amazing amount of technology for one company yeah. to have put out to have changed the decade that much. Well, and you know, a company that's beleaguered and... <laughs> Yes, and is failing, and their 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 worst decades are behind them. They never attained the same, yeah. and clearly needs to fire their CEO. Yes, <laughs> what is that guy even doing? You know what's funny? It's it. You know, <laughs> I've I've only been writing Daring Fireball since two thousand two, and so uh, you know, it's coincided with a very very good run for Apple. Uh, I wish that <laughs> that I'd been writing it since 1992 yes. so that I could have <laughs> that decade under my belt of saying that the Apple, you know, Apple 
does need a new CEO. Apple's yes. CEO <laughs> is an idiot. Apple's CEO it doesn't get it. You know, I, I wish because if you had listened to me, if you had been my personal friend in that era, you yeah. would have heard me rant <laughs> about such things. But it, it does make me wonder, like, <laughs> like if if the world is so critical of Tim Cook. And his yeah. stewardship of Apple over the last, you know, nine years as CEO. Uh, what would they be saying if Apple actually did have a terrible CEO? <laughs> like if, if uh, Gil Emilio, totally if Gil Emilio was the CEO now, <laughs> it's absolutely astounding because when they when he was the CEO. They were so much smaller and so much less consequential to the daily life of of so many people. <laughs> there were people, there were columnists and you know commentators who who you know astutely pointed yeah. out some of the problems, <laughs> but it's absolutely astounding to me how how common the criticism is that Tim Cook has done nothing as CEO still, even to this day. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it really is, uh, you know, the iPhone, iPhone 10 truly was a, a total reset of the concept of what a cell phone should be. AirPods are a, a true phenomenon yeah. They are. They still start at 160 bucks. You know, yes. they're they're very expensive for headphones, and yeah. and you see them everywhere. Yeah, iPad is everywhere. I mean, you yeah. you again. I have so many complaints. I cannot even get into it. As as a, I was watching that movie Noel on the, on Disney Plus over the holidays, and every kid wanted an iPad, and you just can't buy that kind of mainstream publicity. I, and again, that's not Apple TV Plus; that's Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney right? Plus, yeah. Uh, the Mac is still going strong, and yes, they yeah. they admittedly they even said at that thing a couple of years ago that they kind of took their eye off the ball with the Mac for a while, yeah. um, but. You know, the new, if anything, right now, the only gap in the Mac lineup is this, is the idea of a mid-range desktop, which clearly yeah. is has been a gap forever. Right. But which clearly they know about, you know, yes. that there's, you, you could argue that with the trash can style Mac Pro that they had their eye off the ball of what a high-end yeah. Mac Pro should be, that it yeah. was outside their view. Whereas if if the gap is in the mid-range, they at least know about it. And whether yeah, they're going absolutely. to whether they're going to fill the gap or whether they feel like the gap is okay, that we're just going to let it be, they at least know it. there's no you yeah. you can't possibly not know about it if you're making this device that you know, is fifty two thousand dollars and has one point five terabytes of also, RAM. I mean that 
pro workflow team was such a stroke of genius yes. because having those people in there to hit all this stuff before consumers have, they're the ones arguing for the stuff inside Apple now yeah. doing everything that every pro wants inside the company. And they have to, like there was that great thing about Steve Jobs hating consultants because they had no skin in the game. They didn't have to ship. And these people have deliverables. They're not just sitting there telling Apple what to do. Yep. They have to make the stuff that Apple uses inside the company. And they're, they're fighting not just for Apple stuff, but they're fighting to make Adobe stuff run better. On yeah, Mac. totally it's amazing. Absolutely amazing, smart team. Yeah. All right. Let me take uh, one last spot here and uh, thank our fourth final sponsor. Last sponsor of the decade. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I mean, how many sponsor reads have I done this decade? But this is the last one I will do this decade. And of course, it's Squarespace. Look, Squarespace is the place to go if you need a new website. They do everything. They can help you register your domain name. They can help you with a template to start with, a professionally designed template that looks great on everything from a cell phone to a massive uh, Pro Display XDR, a website that'll look great at any size, and that you can start with the template, customize it to your heart's content, with your brand, your company's brand, whatever uh, business you're running, brand. And the website can have whatever you need. Is, is the website supposed to be a portfolio for your design work? It can be that. Is it a store where you're selling stuff? It could be that. Is it a restaurant where you put a menu and you put hours and you put stuff like that. Everything, everybody will want to know for a restaurant. It could be that it, whatever you need, Squarespace can help you do it. Uh, it is the place to start. My recommendation, whether you need a new website this year, and I know it's new year's and this is the, time of year when people start thinking about like, hey, I've been meaning to do X, Y, Z. Here's my resolutions, blah, blah, blah. If you need a new website, if somebody you know needs a new website and you're the nerd that they know and they come to you and they're like, what should I do? I need help. Send them to Squarespace. Get them started. You get 30 days free. No questions asked. And then you only have to start paying at the end of the 30 days. Odds on, that's what you're going to stick with. Because I'm telling you, start with Squarespace. Give it just like an hour, two hours. Try to set something up and you'll be off and running. It is the best way to get started. You can get a free domain name if you sign up for a year in advance and you get a free trial, like I said, for 30 days at squarespace.com slash talk show. And when you do decide to start paying, just remember that code talk show, T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W, and you get 10% off your first purchase. You could do that for the whole year. 10% off the first year is like uh, over a month free. Unbelievable. Go to squarespace.com slash talk show. Remember that code talk show for when you do decide to start paying. And there you go. That is the final sponsor read of this podcast for the decade. 
And Outstanding. don't give me this nonsense about decades starting <laughs> in the next year. Nobody thinks that way. Everybody it's not knows. human readable. Yeah, no, it's, come on. <laughs> this is the end of the decade. It's like if you want to win a pedant award, you can go for that, but no. All right, let me, let me so my pick is the iPhone X. Your pick was yep. the Apple Watch. What else yep. is, is I, I think you're right that the MacBook Air from like 2010 should be on that short list. What yeah. else do you think is on, on the list for the best products of the last decade? Uh, I, there's a few things. Like from Apple, I mentioned already the iPad because it was literally born in 2010 mm-hmm. and has seen just update after update, including the iPad Pro, the new designed iPad Pro. Beyond Apple, I think Tesla, like the model, you could argue between the Model S or the Model 3. Yeah. But I think what they've done is really consumerize uh, what was previously sort of niche and it's really popularized what was previously sort of niche technology. Um, so I was talking the, the last episode of the show I was just mentioning uh, I, we don't drive a lot, but I've still got this 2006 Acura. Uh, and again, it, 2006, yeah. it, it doesn't even have <laughs> it doesn't even have an iPod connector. You know what I mean? It, it it not only does it not have USB or CarPlay or anything, it literally we bought it the year before the iPod stuff, you know, became a standard thing. It, it it's it's an old car. Uh and you know, over the holidays, you know, we we went to see uh my wife's mom and we went to my parents' house. And so we, you know, we've done a you know, we we do a bit more driving at the end of December than we typically do by far. And I was pumping gas the other day because, you know, we did the driving and we had to pump gas. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like yeah. when you really think, think about it, it's like we're just pumping this flammable <laughs> liquid. Dead dinosaurs. That is not that cheap, right? It's three bucks a gallon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> It's more expensive than like Tropicana orange juice. Yeah. It is pretty expensive. You're pumping it into a tank and then you're just lighting it on fire. <laughs> it's, yep. It is not efficient. So I, I, I do give Tesla credit. You know, uh, again, I, I don't love any of their cars except for this new. I love the Cybertruck. Yeah. I love it. And I get it that it's sort of ridiculously over the top, but I kind of feel like they screwed up with all of their previous designs where they kind of made all of their previous designs look like mid-range Japanese Honda, Toyota, you know... Yeah, like generic, but sort of messed up generic. Right, and then the only thing that was really distinctive about them was when they got rid of the grill in the front because yes. they didn't need it. But aesthetically, it looked like cars that had their mouths sewn shut. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Whereas the new Cybertruck, like thing, the bad Deadpool from that horrible Wolverine movie, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It just looked. It, it it just looked like a car. They, the the Teslas without the grills to me just look like cars that are suffocating. They don't yes. they don't look good. And I get it. I totally get that if you don't need a grill, you shouldn't have a grill just for aesthetic reasons. And I get that 
it at painted BMW in particular into a design corner because their one of their signatures of all of their cars are those kidney bean grills on yeah. the front and if they don't need them what how are you going to know it's a BMW I get it I get it and I told it but it's it's an opportunity for a company like Tesla that has no gas driven or diesel driven yeah, car no legacy. no legacy and just sealing it up was sort of the wrong decision yeah <laughs> in my opinion yeah and, no totally and, and the profile of their cars like the you know they're just not that great looking of cars in my opinion i get it that they drive cool and they accelerate fast and there's all sorts of good things, but just looking at them, they're not that cool. I think that the the Cybertruck, which is a ridiculous yeah. name, and but I love it. I, I it's the, like a Batmobile, right? It's like I being just, shown a Batmobile, and going, of course. I love it. It's like the it's like the DeLorean Motor Company never went yeah. away. You know, and yes. they just kept. You know, if they hadn't gone, if 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 they had somehow succeeded in the early eighties, uh. You know, and we're still around today. That's what they would be making. You know, and I love it. I think I just wish that they would make a. a f I I have no need for a truck at all. Yes, absolutely not. But I I need a car, so I just wish that the, you know. And I don't think it's too much to extrapolate that maybe their next car would be from the design language of the Cybertruck, yeah. but that's what I want. I want a sedan. I, that, yeah. I want a sedan from the design language of the Tesla Cybertruck. And it's I love so it. smart. It's like inside people are like, well, where's the stuff to connect? And it's, it's got like NASA quality connections. You just loop things over. The whole thing is so smartly thought out. Yeah. Like granted, I'm sure everything he makes is secretly from Mars, like from the tunnels to the trucks to everything. But, you know, utility is utility. Yeah. I, I I love it. it, and to me, it is the promise of Tesla. It's the first. It's it. The two most interesting Tesla products to me are the the Roadster, which was their first car. Yes, you know, it was sort of a Miata style. It was uh, literally a Lotus, I think. Yeah, like a Lotus. Yeah, it was. I, I definitely a Lotus hardware with a yeah. Tesla drivetrain. And this Cybertruck. And I really feel like the Cybertruck to me is the first thing that made me look at Tesla and say, I think that this company really might do what all of its proponents are saying they yeah. might do. They might really own the 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 car business going forward. Because I, if, if they extrapolate that design language into a full line of cars, I, I, I think it's brilliant. Absolutely. And nothing else is really like it. Like it's yeah. just instantly distinct and it's authentic is what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, they, they, they took some steps backward, you know, like the Model X with those goal yeah. wings that go up. Uh, dumb. And the, yeah. the Model 3 is like, uh, you know what? It, I, I get it that it's more affordable, but it's way less cool than the Model S. You know, the Model yeah. S is, looks way better. But the Model S, which is expensive and which is undeniably a great sedan, yes. in my opinion, doesn't look great. It it doesn't it, look bad, but it doesn't look... It doesn't look like Tesla had to make it. If it doesn't look like Tesla had to make it, what's the point of making it? Exactly. Whereas the Cybertruck, it's like, oh, man, they had to make yeah. it. The, nobody yes. else could have made this car. 
And to me, that's the one. What you want is that reaction, like when when Apple announced the original iPhone, and, yeah. and famously, the the BlackBerry people had a, a high level meeting the next day, and yes. they came to the conclusion that Apple had faked it and it was a complete yes. fraud. That it was impossible. They were like, well, the bottom line is that they couldn't have done this, so they yeah. must be lying. I don't know wh what they're going to do in six months when they say they're going to ship it, but it, it can't possibly be what they say it is, when, when in fact it actually was. That's yeah. what you want, right? And that, to me, is the Cybertruck. The Cybertruck is like people from Ford and Chevy and whoever else, Honda, Toyota, they're like, ah, nobody's going to buy that. It looks like, you know, yeah. uh, Back to the Future fan fiction or something like that. Uh, yeah, guess what? That's what you want from the other yes. companies. Whereas, like, the Model S, it's like, it just looks like a really nice, you know, Honda Accord. Yeah. Like anyone to try could have crapped it yeah. out. Yeah, and and it, you know it's like you just sort of stretch this one part out and yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, well, all right, what else? End of the decade, um, last episode. I'd argue the Echo um, because it was it really started popularizing everything about the home based or, or uh, far field digital assistant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that, and, and it kind of introduced people to the whole. Let's have a device where the primary interface is talking to it you know yeah which i i think going forward you know I, you know it, let, hold me to it renee yes T 10 years from now we'll, let's record <laughs> the end of the 2020s deal episode me and you i do think that that is the defining interface of the next decade it, it it you know it's it's natural it's what humans do we talk right we yep. we communicate ideas and so far they've been so primitive just yes. so utterly primitive you know and and you know I'm a huge kubrick fan and and uh, 2001 predicted that by 2001 we'd have this hal 9000 capability at least in like a you know trillion dollar spaceship but even even with the trillion dollars, you couldn't buy a HAL 2000 today, right? Yeah. Even Jeff yeah. Bezos. Or even Knight Rider. <laughs> right. Jeff Bezos and Tim Cook yep. cannot get Knight Rider quality AI today. It's hard. It is it yeah. is much harder than we thought. But it's it's so obviously the way of the future. Like we've conquered the visual computer interface and i don't mean that to say that there's nowhere to go that that 10 years from now our visual gui interfaces will look exactly the same but we, we did i mean we conquered yeah. this a long time ago i would say you know in the first decade in the 80s 80s through the mid 90s we kind of conquered the basic concepts of what should a computer interface on a screen look like and even if vr becomes a huge yes. thing it's still the it's just a display it's like ui elements are still ui elements exactly it, yeah. it it's a display problem and a battery life problem and a field of view problem but the basic idea of if we present people with these things on screen we know how to do it yeah. well and we know, you know, you'll 
you'll see a scrolling list in front of you and you just move your hands and you'll you'll do this. Whereas the verbal interface of speaking to a thing, we know what it should be like. It should be like me talking to you and I say things to you that the transcript of which may not make yes. that much sense, but you get it. And all of the thousands of people listening to me talk to you get it. Uh, we just expect it, it being the computer to get it. That to me is conversational inference. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, like, when Apple hired John Gianandrea, I was sort of happy because I think Apple's near term future has to involve some form of Siri OS, whether it's an actual Siri OS or it's just uh, spread out, distributed across a variety of devices. As much as we hear rumors about them working on reality OS for the glasses, I really hope that they're working even harder on Siri OS because. It, whether like, it's never going to fully replace screens, but it's going to be a huge part of. Our I think it's more important of. I think it's more important going forward. I, yeah, I, totally. I, I'm, and again, ten years from now, you'll be on the show. Maybe I'll have to eat my words. Maybe we'll have to listen to this particular episode and go back and and I'll be like, John, well, we were crazy. I can't believe we <laughs> predicted that. I think <laughs> that the verbal interface. Yeah. Is way more important than the, the than a VR visual interface, and I get I it. I totally get that. Like, uh, you know, like having if if you have always on glasses that have this, and they can always pop up. You know, the name of people. You know, somebody you've only met once, and it it just pops the person's name over their head, and you can always know their name. That would be great. I I, I need that. I, I totally get it, but I still feel that fundamentally the idea of how that would work, we've already worked out, you know, whereas yeah. the idea of how the verbal interface will work has not been worked out yet. And like the movie Her is a good template and we're oh, nowhere near that yet. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. and well, and, and, you know, this is not... <laughs> the star wars holiday spectacular yes although i should say to those of you listening you know who knows maybe the next episode will be uh first episode of 2020 i mean i gotta have a star wars uh holiday yeah. spectacular soon thanks to the new movie but i will say that to me one of one of the many brilliant ideas of the original Star Wars movie from 1977 was that moment when C-3PO starts coming down the steps and the bartender is like, we don't serve your kind here. Yes. You know, and he's like, get out of here. And there's like this resentment towards droids and automation. Yeah. And I, I, that whole sort of disdain towards droids is is really brilliant because yeah. as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, why wouldn't you want that? I would love if I owned any business, any business yes. imaginable to mankind, a bar, a restaurant, a hardware store, uh, anything, even a hair salon. I would still welcome a droid. If a droid came in, if C-3PO came in, I'd be like, come on in. I I would love to talk to you because you are amazing because you're a robot who can talk and walk and do things, right? The idea that in that universe that there's this disdain towards droids was to me one of the most brilliant ideas because it was clearly super exciting that they existed, but also super insightful that maybe the 
you know, carbon-based life forms would be yep. disdainful of them. Uh, I, you know, where are we going with this? You know, like I, I, I often, my wife gives me a hard time because I'll say something to one of our assistants, whether it's, you know, we've got the Alexa <laughs> stuff and we've yeah. got the Siri stuff and I'll say something to one of them. And then I often have to, at the end of it, I say, thank you. And I know I'm being a smart ass and I know that it doesn't do anything. And my wife is like, why are you doing, why do you say thank you? You're an asshole, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) well, I just don't want to be a jerk, but I kind of feel like as a society, we're tending towards, we're going to be jerks to the assistants. Yeah. Yeah. It, It is human nature and we like to be jerks to things that we can be jerks to. You know, and it's like, you know, society has gotten more progressive. And so, like, you don't want to get into an Uber and be a jerk to your Uber driver because you feel like a jerk. But you, there's like a human nature where a lot of people like to be jerks. And if you can be yeah. a jerk to a robot, that would be you know, there's no downside to it. And I kind of feel like that's where we're going. Like we Isn't want one, like the Google one for kids forces you to use your manners and say, please. And thank you. I yeah. Feel like there is a, or an Amazon one. I feel like there's one of those that do that. Well, I, and I kind of feel like that it's fighting a losing battle. Like that's my, one of my predictions for the coming decade is that the, somebody, one or more companies are going to get the voice assistant thing really good. They're going to become a, major part of daily life and most people are going to be total jerks to the system and not me and i'm going to be this weirdo it's you know like in in a way that like you know some people are like oh that's the guy who wears a bow tie yeah (laughs) i'm going to be the guy who continues to say thank you to his voice assistant yeah i do it too but i always thought it was because i was canadian but i'll use your I, I, I'm, I'm Canadian without liking cold weather. I, I, maybe I should have been, I, I probably should have been born in Canada to tell you the truth. Yeah. You would have eaten way more stuff with me and guy that way. (laughs) Anything else? What else is, is on our last podcast of the decade? I can't think of anything. I'm going to call. No, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff like, uh, like, but I think like all the home, home automation stuff just falls out of the Siri Alexa and that was the innovation that led to all of that. Well, but you know, bottom line is that it, I think it's such a complicated problem, but it really, it, it just has to be. And I, I do think we're getting there. I think that AI is so clearly getting, did you see the thing that the uh, pixel mature guys uh, shipped? about a week or two ago. No. So the Pixel Mator Pro shipped a, uh, a, a, just like a, you know, I don't know, minor dot one update. Yeah. But they have a new image scaling algorithm that is based on uh, uh, a machine learning thing. And it is astounding. And and it, the basic idea is that you can take a small image, like a 200 by yeah. 200 profile picture, and you want to scale it to 400 by 400, and it actually interpolates the pixels in a way that you get a you, – you, you can take a small image and scale it up and have it look so much better 
than yeah. any other algorithm that I've ever seen before. It is absolutely phenomenal. It is, to me, if you want to say to somebody who doesn't know what quote unquote machine learning is or does or how it's, you know, uh, making things, it's like this, their blog post expo explaining it is the best thing I've ever seen in terms of, look, here's, how image scaling from a small image to a large large image used to work. Here's the yeah. examples of the output and like it all interpolation. Or well, and bicubic is obviously the the dumbest one. And, yeah. But but it it anybody could understand it. You don't have to be a nerd or a computer programmer to get it you're like oh yeah i get it you're just sort of taking the individual i see everything as a pixel a pixel is a square if yeah. you just make every square you know two times larger this is what you get and i get that if you do that and then kind of apply a quote-unquote sharpening algorithm this is what you get there's just no way to take a small image and make a large image out of it without yeah. making it look like crap. And then you look at what they're doing with this thing, with this new algorithm. And it's like, uh, that's kind of astounding. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, I feel like that, uh, you know, I've never been a doubter of machine learning. I, and I totally get that at this moment at the cusp of 2020, we're we're still in the early days of it, and so I feel like the ten years from now episode of the show where you and I are talking about yes. the twenty twenties, I, I I feel like that's going to be a big part of it, and I feel like that's a huge going to be a huge part of making conversational computer interfaces work. There's no you, you there's just no way to do it with a bunch of human written if this if yeah, that absolutely. if else 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 if if you can't do it it's got to be machine learning that's how our our brains sort of work that way right and that's how the computers have to work but it's it's absolutely going to be to me the story of the next decade is having computers that can just listen to us talk and understand the nonsense that's coming out of our mouths. That's wild. It's like it's because they're not really coded, they're trained. And I try to explain it to people like think of Tinder for machines mm -hmm. where it's like, yes, 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 no, no, yes, no, 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 yes, hot dog. And they, <laughs> you don't know how they get to hot dog, but eventually they learn hot dog. That's so true. <laughs> right. It's absolutely true. <laughs> All right. I Anything else? No, I think that's, I mean, there's there's all sorts of cans of worms that all the AI and machine learning open up, but that's a whole different show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think, uh, uh, on that, if, if we talk about one last thing, it would be, uh, if, if we've ended on this topic of uh, voice assistants being yeah. sort of the map to the future and the biggest road forward... The one product Apple has that is the most voice assistant driven is the HomePod. And the HomePod yep. is sort of seen as a dud product, you know, that, that as undersold. Um, wh where do you think Apple is going on that? I, I tend to think that they, they're, I think they're going to stick with it. I don't think they're going to abandon it. I think that they've got to drive the price down. 
Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like when you when you separate the actual product from what it is, and like AirPods are just are are near field Siri. That's really what they are. They're the ability to have Siri with yeah. you everywhere in the easiest, most compact form possible. But the whole future is partly ambient computing. You don't want to have to have a device with you. You want to be able to walk around freely and just say things and have them happen. And you have to have some sort of or the best thing to have for that is a stable in-room presence, which is far, you know, far field Siri, and that is HomePod. But I think initially, uh, when you when you talk to Apple, they were making that for five years. That was that was started long before um, these idea of like a, of uh, Echo or, or Google yeah. Hubs came out. And they literally made a spe- it was like almost a reverse of what usually happens. Apple brought a speaker to a home assistant fight, and I think <laughs> it's just the, their process is, so, is sort of slow and hyper focused. And when you look at it in two different ways, one is the technology they invented for HomePod has been amazing. Like everything from the new iPhone speakers to the new MacBook Pro speakers are phenomenal in large part because of HomePod uh, style technology. They just have to re- re-image, reimagine that product into being something smaller and more compact and being in forms that people want, like a like a HomePod mini or a HomePod theater. And I think once they get that going, it'll start gaining much more traction. Yeah, and I kind of feel like if if augmented reality is is a huge uh, technology landscape for the next 10 years, I feel like AirPods are the best product currently on the market. And everybody I I we we're we as humans are more visually biased yeah. than any other sense. All of uh, of the five senses, visual is the one that we're biased towards, and so the fact that AirPods are completely audio, completely—that's all they yeah. do—is audio. That there's no other sensation to them. Although I guess they have a, a bit of taptic feedback with the AirPods Pro, but consider that an asterisk. Um, but I still feel that they are the best AR product anybody has ever shipped yeah. to date. And I don't know if you saw this, but there was someone at WWDC the year before last. They made an app where you wear the AirPods. And even if you're very low vision, they will talk you through walks and runs in the city. Right. And they were just a bunch of athletes who hadn't been able to go outside and exercise for years. And they were just wearing AirPods and running. And like the, the sound of their voice and the look on their face was, was transformative. That's unbelievable. Uh, I did not see that, but it's, I believe it. And it's, it's truly impressive. And you know, I, I, I'm not skeptical about Apple's uh, goggle yeah. type initiatives that are rumored. I'm I I raise the questions because I just don't know the answers. Like, why in the world would you want to wear these things all day long? I I don't get it. I'm not saying I don't believe that it'll come to be, and that ten years from now, <laughs> when we're doing our 2029 wrap-up show at the end of December that we won't be wearing Apple-branded goggles that we've never taken off in our waking hours for the last three years or something like that. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying I don't get... I I, I just can't imagine what they would do. But just... uh, There's so much potential there. And the fact that you could just wear AirPods and have them navigate you through a city that you can't see well enough to navigate without them, it just... it, it. 
just flabbergasting when you think about the potential of what you could do with something that was in your field of vision. Yeah, no, it's it's. An, I'm super excited about this next decade. As amazing as this last decade has been, and I would never predict that half the things we got. I can't even imagine what's coming next. Yeah, it's you know, it's always moving forward. Anyway, Renee Richie, I, you're a friend of the show. You're always on uh, Thank you so frequently. Thank you for being on the year end wrap up show. Uh, everybody can uh, follow you on Twitter at Renee Richie. Uh, you're youtube channel uh, what's the best way to get to your youtube youtube.com slash vector oh that what couldn't be easier youtube.com yep. slash vector and you're doing i mean how many episodes do you do a week a three to four that uh, i don't understand i see <laughs> i and last time you were on i said the same thing i don't understand how that's even possible and i saw you you started shooting uh your video in raw and you yeah. did the raw grade, and you you showed a still on Twitter, and I was like, "Holy shit, that looks yeah. really good." Uh, what what are you shooting with? What what camera are you using? So I've upgraded. I've got a Canon C two hundred now, which is a cinema camera, uh, so you can put actual Canon lenses on. And I still really like Canon lenses because I had a bunch of them to begin with, but also they still make really really good lenses. So I'm shooting raw, which is the same as like shooting a raw photograph. It just means that you have so much more. Um, like the, the, there's so much more detail in the image, but also you can recover, like you can re-white balance, you right. can color grade. Uh, and I'm, I'm just learning. So I'm doing the very classic movie one, which is teal and orange. So you push teal into the shadows and right. orange into the flesh tones. And that's, that's what I'm starting with for now. YouTube.com slash vector. Really one of my favorite YouTube channels. I don't, I, oh, I'll you. tell you the truth, Renee. I don't watch a lot of YouTube, but, uh, uh I, yeah, I watch yours. Uh, oh, thank you. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of Canon Glass. I, I think yeah. Canon, uh, they're, they're, you know, I don't want to piss off the Nikon people. <laughs> I don't want to piss off the Sony people either. I have always, uh, I the thing I've always liked about Canon Glass is that Canon Glass, to me, is neutral. It is, yeah. it, it, it is... It, it it's putty in your hands and you can do what you want and there's no limits to it. And and their color is so good. Like I've shot, I was shooting with Panasonic before I've shot with Sony. Um, I've seen a lot of the higher end stuff too. And just the color that you get off of Canon is still very, very pretty. So people like to say like, and I get it. I, I, I do like Leica cameras and yeah, you know, uh, you know, and, and I'm not going <laughs> to, I say this because I don't want to ever rule out the idea that I'm never going to just pop into the Leica store and drop $5,000 and buy a Leica camera <laughs> because I might do it. I might do it. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't yet. But uh, people imbue upon Leica magic, you know, that you just buy the $5,000 Leica system with a nice, you know, uh, Sumalox 2.0. Yeah lens and then you point it at something and you get a wonderful picture uh and you know they're, they're great cameras and they are great glass i i personally love the canon i i like the canon systems because I, it it it's not they're not trying to tell you it's magic it's just yeah. like it, it'll make the best of whatever you point it at you know. And what comes off the sensors are, is just again so pretty, right? It, it and it's just so technically pristine. Yeah, 
Right. Yes. And then you can do with it what you will. But anyway, yeah, absolutely. that looked amazing. Uh, oh, thank you. It really, really, no, really, it really did. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, the, the, the orange and green thing, you know, you could be pushing it too far, but it looks good. <laughs> I just learned, like I said, I'm just learning. So <laughs> I started looking at the more advanced stuff that people do. Like there's five and six and eight point color. That, that's way beyond me now. So I just started with the easiest one that I could find. Well, you clearly, you need a pro display XDR to be able yeah. to, uh, to truly push the limits of it. Anyway, people can, uh, see that. And of course, uh, imore.com where you're the, uh, editor, yeah. what's your title? I don't know. It keeps changing. I, I just show up for work now. I think You're it's just senior Renee. analyst now or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's Renee at imore.com. Anyway, happy new year. Thank you happy for new doing year. the decade closing episode of the show with me. And uh, I'll talk to you next uh, decade. <laughs>